All right, good morning. So where we were, just to synopsize, is we were, we're focusing on the midst of Yishevarit Yisrael. We mentioned that according to the Mishnah, Mishnah seems to suggest that there is, must be presumably some mitzvah of Yishevarit Yisrael, even though Mishnah doesn't explain it, because of the fact that there's a halacha, that if a man wants to make aliyah, he can force his wife to go with him. And if she doesn't want to go with him, she goes out without a ksuba. And vice versa, if the wife wants to make aliyah, the husband does not, she gets to leave with, with a ksuba. And if um, an Eved, according to many of the Rishonim, means even Eviknani, wants to make aliyah, he can force the master to go with him. Or the master can sell him. Or he can give him a get shukra and he has to pay him back the amount of his value. All of this seems to be an indication that there must be an underlying latent mitzvah to live in the land of Israel. Obviously, how else can you can you say these halachas? We pointed out that the rush, the Pesach rush says that this seems to be an easy way for an Evet to mafkia himself. He doesn't want to be in the shush of the Baal anymore. He just simply says he wants to make Aliyah. So you have some Eritrean, you know, cleaning lady, an Evid in those days, and she wants to make Aliyah. You know, your Evid wants to make Aliyah, you're, you're then going to lose your Evid. <clears throat> and the same would be true in a joking sense, perhaps, that if a woman wants to make Aliyah, and the husband doesn't want, of course, she can get a, a get. So it also would resolve the Aguna problem. To convince people to become much more interested in moving to the land of Israel. We pointed out that Pesach already over there in Subas says perhaps that this doesn't apply anymore. Pesach suggests, Pesach gives two different points. On the one hand, Pesach says that the mitzvah of Yishev doesn't apply anymore because of the fact that it's very dangerous. On the other hand, additionally, Benu Chaim Kohn adds that Forget the danger. It's avoiding simply not being able to know all the halachas, such complicated rules about living in the land of Israel, all the Mitzvah Barats. We're not experts in that, so therefore it doesn't apply. But we said that this Rabbeinu Chaim Kohen does not seem to be necessarily accepted by everybody. And we pointed out some that say that this is incorrect. The most obvious example being the Aliyah of the 300 of the Baliyah Tezbis. The 300 of the Baliyah Tezbis made out of the Aliyah themselves are the greatest raya against the fear of not being able to be kind of this is a If you have, you know, if people vote with their feet, if everybody goes to make Aliyah, it's simple. Then obviously Rabbi Chaim Kohn wasn't taken to be the be-all and end-all of this issue. What about in terms of Sakhanas Jerachim? So we said that in terms of Sakhanas Jerachim, certainly obviously today is very different than it was then. But there's a very interesting line of the Kuzari. The Kuzari says, that if it's coming to your business and you're willing to take on that sakana in order to make a living, so how could you say that for making aliyah, that's the sakana you're unwilling to take? In other words, no one's saying you should put your life in danger, but if there's some element of sakana, but you take that all the time, and what we're talking about, the go to Eretz Israel is not incrementally more, then of course, the fact that there's sakana doesn't prevent there to be a reason or a mitzvah to go make aliyah. 
I think that's um, essentially what we what we concluded was around the Kuzari who was trying to explain this Nasus and the fact that he, he had not yet made Aliyah. Of course, this is, you know, in, in the trading world, right? A trader will, you know, he talks his book. Sometimes you get a call from a, a, a trader on a, and a, has a position. He's telling you how great the position is. You know, he probably holds the position. And he needs to figure out a way to get out of it, right? Or he's telling you how terrible it is. So, you know, he wants to buy it, you know, at, at some lower discount. So the Kuzri is telling you his... He's telling you his book, right? He wants to make Aliyah. He's telling you why all these are not excuses, right? Everything exactly the opposite of the, of the excuses that people give. He says the opposite. So the idea that Chaim Kohen says that, oh, we're not going to know the mitzvahs of Tlis Baris. He says to the opposite. We're in Echutzlar. It's how do the mitzvahs even count them in the full? We can't do as many mitzvahs as we otherwise could if we were in Eretz Yisrael. So everything is diametrically opposed. Why? Because in the end of the day, he wants to make Aliyah. Eventually, we know that he does. All right, so where I wanted to start from today, that's a sort of short synopsis we were the last couple of weeks, where I wanted to start today is in relation to the Shla. The Shla, one of the great rabbis of Prague, one of the chief rabbis of Prague, he made Aliyah. And he makes Aliyah, and he writes a letter back to his kids back in Prague to tell them, you know, about his trip and what they should be doing. He left some manuscripts behind, he wants to print it, a whole, a whole, Arichas is about what he's writing about to his children. In the course of what he writes, he writes, I'm going to write about them, the Shalom. I'm going to write about some of the laws that apply to the land of Israel. He says, because in Tisku, Kemaini, love Eretz Lador, if you're going to be Zecha, to come to the land of Israel to live the same way I've been Zecha, they should take the Malasses, they should know what you should do. So you should be able to be didactic in the laws of the mitzvahs of Eretz Yisrael, but you shouldn't come to Semchas Hashem. And then he says that I came here in the and this front for this year. He says I came to the land of Israel and Shemitah, exactly like what we have right now. And he says the following: Imagine this is talking about 17th century. Right? This is going back a long time. The land of Israel is full of basically nothing. It's old people, it's a few beggars, and that's about it. There's no there's no real strong yeshuv in any way, right? There's a few Jews stragglers in the Tfas, uh, you know, there's having his golden age, so there's a few more stragglers. Yushalayim is a few, but it's not like that. there's no, there's no uh, um, massive settlement. There's no easy place to say you go to the grocery, have some food, none of that. It's hand-to-mouth existence. It is, it is very, very difficult life over there. Now it's Shemitah. So he says, there's lots of the people living in the land they want to get out of Shemitah, right? This is uh, anticipating the Hetamichira from the late 1800s. This is now talking about the 1600s. They want to get out of the Shemitah. They're having a problem. There's literally no food. The Mamish don't have food. They don't have food for the day. And he says, not only that, the Arab Shvius Medina. The year before Shvius was a famine too. So the Mamish are very, very difficult, dire straits. He said, What should we do? So Vanidanti Matsmi says, I had a I had a judgment myself. He says, I really am more responsible to keep Shemitah than them. Why? I'm, I'm, I have to Mamish get rid of everything in order to make Shemitah. He says, God said to me, 
Why did you come from Kutzlaretz to the land of Israel? Why did you come? Why did you make Aliyah? Now that you came to a place where you are required to do the mitzvahs of Kulis Bars, and now you're going to let it go? Now you're going to be like, nah, it's okay. Madua Bosel Tamis Artsi. Why did you come to be with Tam my land? The people already living here, they're not going to have such a big sin if they don't keep Shemitah, if they figure out a way to get out of it. It's not a problem. But you call it a sailor, it's a sailor. She says, the whole point of making Aliyah is to be Makadash yourself in Mitzvah, to do more Mitzvahs. I'm going to come to the land of Israel, and now I'm going to not keep the Mitzvahs. He says, it's Mechuyiv on me more and more that I should be Makadash the Mitzvah of Yishvah Yitzchak, more than the people that actually already live here, because I'm a first generation. And for me to come in a difficult situation like this right now with Shemitah and not to keep it is much worse of a look for me than it would be for the people already living here, generations already have had difficulties. So for them, okay. That's what the law says to explain why he is going to go very far to try to be able to become the mitzvah. So now I wanted to start bringing this down the halakha So we talked a little bit about a bunch of the different, what we're trying to do is set up the foundation to eventually bring in the entire topic of the Shal Shuas, to bring in all the Satmarav's opinions and all that. We ha- in order to do that, we're setting up the edifice. And this is one of the cornerstones to understand the mitzvah. Not, we're not yet up to the Ramban and the actual mitzvah the Torah has, according to him, one of the six thirteen of each of Israel. We'll get to that. But this is really the, the, the sugi of Hakomalan. And so to bring it down to Halacha, we have the tour and we have Shokhanach, we have the Ramban. And effectively, they all say very similar things. This is the language of the Torah about Eved. The Torah says, If you have a servant and he says, I want to make Aliyah, you force the master to make Aliyah with him. Or he should sell him to somebody who's going to make Aliyah. If you can't find somebody who's going to make Aliyah, so then write him a, a, a star that he's free, how much money he was worth, and then he has to pay back. Right to her let's say the master wants to make Yurida, he wants to go to Chutzlaretz. He can't force his servant to make Yurida. The master needs to go to Chutzlaretz. The Evan's not enough. I stand out to show, okay? The master can't force you to go make Yurida. Rather, you just sell him over there, sell him to somebody else, right? Or give him a, 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 a letter to make him free and tell him this is how much you value, this is how much you owe me. But effectively, you have no ability to force your servant to make Yerida, and the servant has the ability to force you to make Aliyah. If you don't want to make Aliyah, sell him. Sell him or give him a, free, a, a, a paper that gives an IOU for how much he owes you. And then the Torah, of course, would say the same exact thing when it comes to marriage, right? If he's saying this by an Evan, you imagine that by marriage, it says the same thing. It's not going to be Yafa Pech of the Evan more than, the, more than a, a spouse. So what does he say by the spouse? The Torah, remember, we talked about the Machlegas between the Bavli and the Rishami. So Yushami says that the husband has the ability to force the wife to make Aliyah, but not the wife. The wife can't force the husband to make Aliyah. So we said, what's going on? 
Does the Rishami disagree? Is it a feminist issue? Do they think that the Rishami doesn't have the power for women? Like, what's exactly the specific point of the Rishami? So he said that those who try to make the Babli and the Rishami stim, they try to make them agree with each other. But the simple thing is they don't 100% agree. Said the Marami Rutenberg. The Marami Rutenberg said that you know the difference between the Babli and the Rishami? It's one is Bisman Abayas, one is the time of the base Hamikdash, and one is Bisman Azeh. That Bisman Abayas, that's the that's the Mishnah, that's the Gemara in the Bavli. Then either spouse can force, but Bisman Azeh only the husband can force. That's what what that's what the Marami Rutenberg said. Remember, we asked the Shulte Gibarim, we brought the Shulte Gibarim. The Shulte Gibarim said, "What are you talking about?" Shulte Gibarim said, "The ain't terrorist is Zeh Maspek." He said, "This doesn't make any sense." The Arab is manazeh, because if we're talking about what? Bismanazeh, not talking about Bismanabayas. Then Lama Kaifanaisa. Then why are you able to force her? If there's no mitzvah, then it should equally be applicable to the husband as to the wife. If he can't, she can't force him, he shouldn't be able to force her. Ella Nira Shain Khilak. Bame is manazel is manabayas, kastama the mastis. The Shiltaki Barm was quoting the tour. The tour used the exact language. This is the language of the Torah, and he slugs up who? His Tata's Rebbe, right? Marami Rutenberg was his Tata's Rebbe, was the Rebbe of the Rush. So the, the Torah, when he's bringing down the Halacha, does not go with the, with the distinction between the Rishama and the Bavli that was brought down by the Maram, brought down by the Rush. The Torah doesn't hold of it. The Torah says no distinction. Elamai said, then what's the difference? What's the difference then between the Ushami and the Bavli? Uh, they, if it's not a difference between Manazem, it's Manabais. What's going on? Most likely, it's a Machlaikas. And we don't go with the Ushami. On this, we go with the Rush. Remember what the Rush that so we said over the cloud of the Rush, the famous Chuva of the Rush. We didn't get into the Chuva. It's not for right now. But the big thing of the Rush that he wanted to be davening for rain, not at the time that we daven for rain. He says, because in Spain, there's a different season. For the rain. The rain doesn't come at the times it comes in Eretz Yisrael. So we shouldn't down for rain at the same time. We should be able to be making the, changing the minute to make it work for us, for, for our seasons that we have. And it didn't work. The Rosh says, it didn't work. Nobody, nobody wants to listen to me. They said, no, we have to do it like this. Right? It kind of reminds you of various rabbis over the years. They try to be attacking things that to them makes perfect common sense, but it doesn't work because the people say no. So, for example, right, the Rambam writes in a letter, right, that he wants to be Mavato, the, the, what do you call it, the Chazor uh, Sashat. He says, everybody talks the whole time. There's nothing going on that's of value, so let's get rid of it. We all know how to daven there. We all have a sitter. Well, who needs the Chazor Sashat? So it didn't work. What do you mean? It's in my mind, right? The, the people, they want the Chazor Sashat, even if they're not focusing on it, they still want it. Don't, you don't take it away. Huh? They want to have the shmooz, exactly. So the, the Rambam, right? I, I, I want to get rid of it. Doesn't work. No. Don't touch. Don't touch my tradition. Stay off. Hands off my tradition. Right? So this is how it is. What do you mean? He said, that's his suggestion for why it's different outlaw. That the Rishami and the Babli are different times. The Rishami is redacted a little bit earlier than the Babli. In other words, if you go through the Rishami, 
Basically, you should be zeich like your father, misayim yishami. So you go through the yishami, you'll see that it's much more difficult to read. Why? Because the narrative portion that we have in the Bavli, right? The narrative portion that was put in by the Stam later on, the this. I don't want to totally get off the point, but the Stimas Hashas is a, is a massive topic. It's a big debate as to when the Shas was actually closed. We know that there are certain statements in the Shas that are clearly from the 7-800s, for sure. There's no doubt about it. Um, there are certain people that are quoted in the Shas that are not from the Amoran. We know that they're from the Rabbanan Safra. We know they're much later. So the Stimas Hashas clearly took place not in the four or five hundred, took place in the seven, eight, you know, uh, hundreds, probably, most likely. But the majority of it is from the four hundred. Some of it is pushed into the five, six hundred. Some of it's, it's still later. The same is true with the, with the Ushama, except that the Ushama didn't have that five or six hundred to the seven, eight. They didn't have any of these additions. Their cutoff was much earlier. So that's why, it, if you read it, it always seems a bit choppy. It's always, you read, you, you look like sometimes in the Bavli, right? Not that you should, but you could get through a daf. You don't have to necessarily look at Rashi. You could understand. If you know how to you know, read the Aramaic, you can basically get through what's going on in the Gemara. But you show me, at least for me, you can't. Because every single word, like, what? Oh, we just switched topic. We, oh, okay. Like, it's, it's very, huh? It's very choppy. It's very choppy. It doesn't have that sort of narrative portion that ties things together in that way. And that was the additions of later. So in terms of the dates of the Bible and the Shami, of course, they're, they're, they're the initial part of it is at the same time, but the the because um, Rav and Rabbi Yechanan, Rav and Shmuel, right, is the same time as Rabbi Yechanan. Rabbi Yechanan is a little bit later than Rav, right? He's in, he's in the Talmud Yerushalmi, but but and he's the and he's the main redactor of the Talmud Yerushalmi. But of the Talmud Bavli, it's Ravina Ravashi who are considerably you know later, a few generations later, and then then you have additional you know uh, um, additions further and for, uh, further recensions later on. Not sure that answers the question, but um, all right. So that 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 is the Torah, the the Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch says the same idea, very similar to the Torah. Also the same idea about the Eved. He says if the Eved wants to make Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael, kaifin say, right? You kaifin the Rabbi to make Aliyah with him. Ayimkar say, or sell him lemisha yaleu, or some somebody's going to make Aliyah. Right? So other than let's just the So what's his master wants to go to Chutzlaretz? He's not able to force his servant to go. And he says, if the master wants to go and make to make you die, you can't force the, the Ebed to go unless he convinces him. And this applies in all times and all places. So what does that mean? That means to say that the Shokhan is making very clear that the if you had an Ebed 2022, Again, we have emancipation proclamation, but in theory, if you had an Evan in 2022 and your Evan said he wants to make Aliyah, you would either have to make Aliyah with him, free him, some somebody who's willing to make Aliyah, right? You can tell him, some of those in Israel, some, some, some exactly, yeah. So the, the idea is this is how applies at all times. So if it applies at all times, who is it clearly refuting? Anyone who makes a distinction. Between Bisman Azmaya, Bisman Habayas, Bisman Azeh. There's no distinction. There's no distinction between Bisman Habayas and Bisman Azeh. That means to say that the Maram has been sort of shunted aside. He's not this idea of the distinction the Maram wants to bring. is the Klaam, not the Halakha. We hold like the Bavli. We hold that it applies to all times, all places. Oh, and that 
and I, there's a reason why I brought up the rush. The reason I brought up the rush, because I mentioned in that big tshuva of, of, of being, um, uh, you know, davening for rain, over there the rush brings down a cloud. He says, we go with the Bavli over the Yerushalmi, right? When there's um, a dispute between the Bavli and Yerushalmi, we always go with the Bavli, no question. Says, but if it's a situation where the Bible and Shami say something, it's absolutely kind of shame. There's no dispute in terms of practical halacha. Of course, we should try to keep the Rishalmi. Um, In this situation, if the Bible is in fact disagreeing with the Rishalmi, right, this is probably what the Torah is thinking. Right? On the one hand, the Maram said what he said, right? He says there's a difference. He attempted to what? Make shalom between the, between the two Gemaras. It's not a mach like this. One is different time, one is that time. The rush himself doesn't seem like he accepted it. The tour clearly doesn't accept that it's two different times. It's one time. Because remember, ain't that terrorist is in Masbik. The terrorist doesn't work. Because if, if in fact it's talking about this man of is man of bias, then why is there a difference between the husband and the wife? It should be the same thing. Once you want to say it's a, uh, like a sort of a power issue between the man and the woman, but nobody wants to suggest that. It's a halakhic point. So if that's true, so you're not going to make a distinction between this man of is man of bias. So that's right. Then you really have a machlekes in the Bible and the Shalmi. If you have a machlekes in the Bible and the Shalmi, the Bible is going to trump. If the Bible trumps, that means that the husband can force the wife, the wife can force the husband, that can force the master, etc. That's practically how we get to where we are today. <coughs> so, where I wanted to go now is the Pisgah Tshuva over here. Pisgah Tshuva on the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan brings down again, both the Havach of the Ebed and the Havach of the husband. Right? And the Pisgah Tshuva says the following. He says, of course, the very famous Ramban we haven't gotten to yet, but eventually we'll get to. The Ramban says that there is a mitzvah to live in the land of Israel. It's one of the six to three mitzvahs. The Rambam didn't write that. He didn't include it. There are many reasons given why the Rambam didn't include it. We'll eventually get to all of that. But the, the Ramban is very clear. And the Ramban not only says that this mitzvah to live in the land of Israel is one of the six thirteen, the is like almost equal to all the other mitzvahs in the Torah. And then he says the following. We know Rav Chaim Cohen says that it doesn't apply, right? We're very afraid, very concerned. You can't keep the mitzvahs of Kulis Bar. It's so complicated. And then he says the following. He says that this Rabbeinu Chaim Cohen and Teisviz is 100% sure that what? That this is a Talmud Tayakas, while Shema Tesis, love the Sam Chaim Kain is not real. That Tesis that you, that we quoted in Tsubis is not real. It's not Rabbeinu Chaim Kain. He never said it. And how does he know? And we're going to see this a few times. The, the, the Marit also says the same idea. It says that Rabbeinu Chaim Kain never wrote it. And I have a proof. Because if you remember, we quoted over a Mordechai. We quoted over a Mordechai that quoted Bishema Tshuva of Rabbeinu Chaim Kain. And in that shuva, Rabbi Chaim Khan doesn't say that the reason you're not going to go to the land of Israel today, the reason that the Yishevaret show doesn't apply today is not because of the fact that we can't keep the midst of the police guards, right? Because it's so complicated, but rather because of Sakana Tzorachim. So if it's Sakana Tzorachim, okay. If it's a danger, it's a danger. And that's the position of Rabbi Chaim Khan, but not the way Tesis brings him down in our Tesis, which is Rabbi Chaim Khan says the reason there's no mitzvah, Yishevaret show today is why? Because of the fact that there is um, no ability to be able to the kind of business because it's so complicated. As we said, people vote with their feet. But the Rashmi Shans, he wrote a whole parish on Zvarim, 300 of the Balatates. They felt they could be the kind of business. They weren't worried about it. 
So the the Piskachuva starts up saying that Rabbeinu Chaim Kern brought as brought down in places is not right. Rabbeinu Chaim Kern is brought down like in the Mordechai, that is correct, which is a different reason. The first reason in places, which is the Sakana, or Sakana is fine. <coughs> and he brings down all the various Akhren that agree with him. And then he says, Right, the the all the Rishonim Achrayim bring down that a that a person um, is able, a woman is able to force the husband and vice versa to make Aliyah. He says, "Nobody held like a Rishonim." Says, what about this other point of Tesis? <laughs> what about this other idea of Tesis that Tesis brought down as the first reason, namely that there's a danger on the road? Is this valid? Is this a real concern, the fact that there's danger on the road? Not to make Aliyah because of such danger. He says, Right? Whenever had a Sakana Gluya, there was a Mamisha, such a big Sakana. They wouldn't say that you're forced to make Aliyah. There's no mitzvah to make Aliyah. But he said, that, that will change on the generation. You can't claim the, the, the level of Sakara going on, a, on an airplane to the land of Israel today is certainly very different than driving from you know Turkey through Syria, Lebanon, and getting into the land of Israel. It's obviously, it's a very different level of Sakana. Right, going through the Sinai Desert by car is very different level of Sakana than flying into Ben Gurion Airport. They both have elements of Sakana, but one is one is real, one is something we would actually you know avoid, and one is the BAU is nothing. Right? So he says that the Mabit writes that uh, uh, a general principle here, that why he says, he says if the businessman aren't worried about their sakana, if the businessmen are making business, then it's no sakana. Remember, who does it sound like? It sounds like the kuzari, right? The kuzari suggested that you want to sit in sakana, fine. If it's real sakana, it's quite leverage, of course, there's no mitzvah megalia. But if you're taking on calculated risk in your business and you're taking on some level of sakana in terms of your travel, then how could you not make galia? That level of sakana, whatever that level is, if it's okay for you to make business with that level of sakana, then it, for sure you have a mitzvah to make aliyah with that level of sakana. So that's what the, the caveat, in other words, not disagreeing with Taisus' reason. Taisus says, if there is sakana, you don't have to make aliyah. We accept it. But what we have to be making a little bit of a diyun. What level of sakana are we talking about? Are we talking about a level of Sakana before Nevish? Everybody agrees no. But if we're talking about a level of what they call it in banking, it's called acceptable risk. Right? If this is an acceptable risk that you're willing to take on this risk in your daily business as usual in your BAU, so of course the mitzvah aliyah then applies. No, no, no question. Correct. This will be different for every person. Right. If you're the kind of person that you don't take any risk in your business, you literally don't leave your basement. You, you know, you won't travel anywhere because you're afraid of a car. You know, you never know. Some people are very medactic on risk. You know, they say that the briskers, I don't know, I, I never know if it's apocryphal or true, but they always make these jokes. 
The briskers are very, very warm. The doctors are the nefesh. The soma doctors are the nefesh. They literally never fast any fast except for Yom Kippur. Every fast, they break the fast because the doctors are the kuach nefesh. Okay? So, true or not, I don't know. But it doesn't seem like, you know, I'm not sure how many real briskers there are anymore. But, but if there was a real brisker, we should ask, do you fast? Any of the fasts except for Yom Kippur. But, but the reality is that some people are certainly going to be much more doctored. They have much more big fear. And, and you can't say this shovel upon nefesh that, okay, this is acceptable fear. I decide for everybody. It's clearly not the case. Some people want to go uh, bungee jumping and uh, parasailing and skydiving and all these kind of things. Other people are like, you're crazy. You can, who knows what can happen, right? So not every risk is tolerable for every person. Fine, say it. Then we move on. Peskei Tshuva continues. And he says this. It says, but because the, there was a court in the case that came before him, he heard about a court that said that if you have children, you don't have to make Aliyah. Sounds relevant, right? If you have children, you don't have to make Aliyah. Why? Because the waves, the waves, the waves are bad. You know, imagine like the turbulence on the plane. I was once to Israel on a flight. Um, we were going, my grandmother passed away. We were going to... Uh, bury her and uh, it was Thursday night, uh, late at night, we, we took like a 12 o'clock plane. It was a crazy story. We got that mama, you know, an hour before Shabbos went, you know, to a special lane. Nobody got out. They never bury anybody like that so late. The corner from Kazanish, no burials allowed in B'nai Brak, you know, two hours before Shabbos. But because my grandmother's father was a partner with Rabbi Bosner, who was still alive, his father, so we, they call her Ravosner, the partner, your father's partner's daughter is being buried in B'nai Brak. She's coming from America today. We keep the cemetery open. He says we keep the cemetery open for her. So, uh, so yeah, we had a whole thing. We, we literally, we buried her. We left. Uh, and the Shabbos was like, you know, it was ready to like, uh, you know, candlelight. It was that type. Um, on that flight, it was, I never had a flight like this in my life. They literally rerouted the plane. One reason why we came to LA, they rerouted the plane to avoid turbulence and they still couldn't avoid turbulence. The plane did not stop shaking the entire time. People were barfing. It was unbelievable. The entire flight, the entire flight, it did not stop shaking. I've been on fishing boats where you have eight foot waves and I've ended in a disaster. This was a disaster. Some of them were like stomach churning. Oh my God. Like, this is not this is not for the faint of heart you know my son likes to go on roller coasters I always think I don't think he roller, I don't know I've never been on these crazy roller coasters but I can't imagine it was as scary as that fight so so says the Pisgay troop what about the waves they don't have dramamine in those days what about the waves for the little kids it says the Pisgay Chuva he says I don't buy into this thing that's worried about the waves he says he said the, the Mishra should have pointed out that God came to man with him. Bar machmas tainu machmas bar machtainim shemim. The Pesach Shuvah gets at a much bigger point, one that's very relevant to our lives today. He says if little kids were really an issue, then it should have been brought up in the halachic system. The Pesach Shuvah was writing in the eighteen hundreds. He says there should have been a story about it. If you can't make, if you shouldn't make aliyah, you don't have to make aliyah because of kids. Then great. Let it be brought down in the halach chuvas. Nobody talks about kids as an issue. Nobody says, but if you have kids, you don't have to make aliyah. 
Yeah, yeah, listen. He, he continues on. He says, Alabadi say, ain't I? He ain't the kind of protest the kind of Yasem Gedalim. His waves aren't more dangerous for kids than for adults. He's the kind of to be of a shrivial list of how he cut them a garlo shame, right? It's the same thing. If they're going to be robbers, they're going to be problems. It's going to be all the same. <coughs> we'll we'll get to something about this. He says, listen, if it comes to actual waves, the kids can handle the waves better than the adult man. So he says essentially this that and he, this is I think gonna be a point we'll see again that they using a kid as an excuse for why you don't have to make Aliyah. He says it's not something that he's found in the halakha position. Nobody talks about the kids. But of course, that's something we know very well. There's a reason I have to make aliyah because of the kids. How are you going to raise them? So this is a, a very interesting point that I think keep in mind. He says, he says, that they see the derech ayam It's not such a big deal. Even if your local authority, your local business says, you don't have to make Aliyah, it's dangerous for the kids, there's waves, it's whatever it is, Sakana, he says they can't do it. He says, He says, you're able to be on what? That on your own eyes, the teeth of the opposite. He says, it's like a, it's like a court that is, is passing when they don't see. That's how he concludes. Basically, you have to use your common sense. If a court wants to say that you don't have to make Aliyah because they decided that the fun is a certain way. But really, in fact, that's a normative thing that you would take on. You would travel in such a thing. This is not a big concern. You don't have to listen to your local authority because you don't have to make Aliyah. That's how Vita goes in terms of making Aliyah. And then he says, oh, maybe you should listen to your local authority. After all, Covid Bezdin, shouldn't, you shouldn't go against your local authority. It's Karkosov Amavit. Right, you don't have to worry about Kibbut Aveim. If your parents tell you not to make Aliyah, Right? Many people don't want to make Aliyah because they have elderly parents. They don't want to leave their parents. Keep it up, I can't make Aliyah. The business chief is going after everything, right? The court, don't worry about it. The parents, don't worry about it. Kids, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. What's the point? The point is, he's writing from Europe, by the way. You can make Aliyah. If you can make it, make it. Right, we'll get to some of the later truths for people like Amersh Price and others who wrote about why they are not making Aliyah. So, hmm? yeah, yeah, it's 1800. And then he continues, and he says, it says not, basically every, everything that you would use as a protest not to make it, he's throwing it all away. And then he says, but, you need to have one thing for sure, though, before you go. And this, we will see, is a very, very important reason that everyone uses, because in fact, we find it in the halakh tradition, already in the times of Chazal. That what? A person has to have his parnas. He has to be able to make a normal living. 
You don't have to make Aliyah to go live in penury, to go live a hand-to-mouth existence. There's no mitzvah to make Aliyah to basically be living a miserable life. No mitzvah. Why? How did he know? He knew because remember, we quoted that even though, remember we quoted at the beginning, the Gemara the, the, the brings down, the Ram brings down the halacha, that when it comes to certain situations, you're allowed to leave the land of Israel to get married, to study Torah for a certain rabbi, and also to make parnasa. The Ramam suggests that even though technically, halachically, it's permitted, but it's not the Fnimashur Asadin. Really, if you want to be medactic in the mythos, you should try to stay 100% halachically permitted to leave. So if somebody's going to go make Aliyah, he's going to come up and tell his wife, <coughs> I learned the whole so yeah, I'm making Aliyah tomorrow. And let's say he's a, a doctor or you know a lawyer. You go to the land of Israel, you can't be a doctor or a lawyer. You have to go through all of the rules, all of the testing and all of this stuff again. They don't, at least in those days, they didn't make it easy for you. You have to go now and sit for 10 years to go study again everything. And during that 10 years, you have to live hand to mouth. You have to be relying on the the, the, the help of others. You have to go um, live a, a, an existence that's going to you know, be miserable and difficult for your family. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. This is what the Piscatuva concludes with. So after knocking out all the excuses, we get one central one, which is one that is already brought down to Chazam. Because you're allowed to leave Eretz for that. So of course you don't have to make Aliyah then. And that's how he continues. He says that um, because of the kol she'en lo'yishon parnosam u'chenes by mavir al-daytiv al-das kenai, he does not have to go to make aliyah. But like yoytzim merits shavu chotorot salam etorim rabbi, you're allowed to leave. You're allowed to go to make parnosam. You're allowed to get met. Sure, you don't mikol she'en shloylan zoyel lekadchilu magum she'en. You don't have to make aliyah. Period. Says, nevertheless, of course, somebody is married to, right? it comes up also in, in, in situations of learning, right? You have a mitzvah to learn Yem Valayla, right? We did this already in our secular studies. We spent time talking about the mitzvah of Yigis and Valayla, right? So when somebody comes home, tells his wife, I just heard a share of the mitzvah of Yigis and Valayla, I'm not giving the kids a bath. That is that normative? Is that is that in fact halakhically correct? No, 100 you're wrong. You have a mitzvah to learn Torah at every free and spare moment that you have. You don't have to um, uh, um, give the kids a bath because you have to learn Torah. You don't have to go to Davin because you have to learn Torah. You don't have to be nice to wife because you have. No, it's absurd. Absurd. You have to go on a date night with your wife. You have to give the kids a bath. You have to do whatever your whatever your spouse needs. That's not your free time. You don't have spare time for that. During that time, you have to do what you have to do. That's not a mitzvah to learn. You're doing the wrong thing. So this understanding, says the Pitzvah concludes with, is that, okay, if you have a spouse that is so ungenimum with you that she is exactly in the same place, she wants to make Aliyah with it. She wants to have a live a, live a life of Kayetar. You both are going to be happy as, happy as peace, having no money and having no ability to live. Fantastic. And no problem. But if there's in any way a shemitz of dad, your wife or your kids are going to be miserable because of the fact that you're living a life of penury, then 100% it's not a mitzvah to make aliyah. And, and, and it's wrong how likely to think otherwise. This is how he concludes. He says, 
אבל אין כל עולם זכר לגב, כנוגו, העם שאינם נסים בנבונם קטנה. already it's pretty common that people don't make aliyah when they have small children. He says it's going to be a terrible thing for your kids if you're going to make Aliyah to Israel. And it, by the way, I, I, my parents had an apartment in a place called the Veyakov. It's a hard scrabble little town on the outskirts of Yishalayim. And when I, when I went there as a kid, I remember thinking to myself, like of all the places in Yishalayim I didn't want to be, right, this was the place. And as I got older, and I came by Mitzvah, reached puberty, and you, you realize that this place is unreal. And there have been studies in Israel that have talked about that so many of the kids who go off of Zara came from this town. These were many people, parents of Al-Tshuva, many people who made Aliyah. They had all the right intentions. They really did. But they lived such a hard life, and the kids didn't appreciate it. Pitzkei Tshuva already says it. Pitzkei Tshuva already says it long before. That they do not make Aliyah they have small children. Because of the very difficult situations about making Parnasa, it's going to be a terrible thing for the, for the children. They're not going to appreciate it. And by and large, the Pesach has been borne out to be correct. You want to live a life of penury? This is an unbelievable pitzkei to me, right? You want to live a life of penury? You have such a thugas, you have such an ability to manage that for you, it's a big excitement, it's a turn on you, are such an amazing person, every day you feel more affirmed, the more starvation, the more stomach pangs, the hunger pangs you have, the better you feel. But your kid doesn't feel that. Your kid feels miserable, says the Pitzchei Tshuva. And what's it? He's not on your level. And Chas Hashem is going to go to a bad life, right? And that's his version of Afadarach because of your sacrifice. You think you're doing a great thing. There won't be any carbonus. There won't be any, any, any terrible results of what you're doing. You're wrong. Says the Pitzchei Tshuva, your kids are going to be unhappy. It is in those people that are going never left in Yishmael, and they're planning to live on the basis of charity, but they don't have the money to support themselves. <coughs> but those who have stayed in Chutzlars, where they had a job, they had a way to support themselves, they're not doing good. Right? So you saw how we started the Pesach Tshuva, <coughs> it's talking so strong, right? Yeah, you don't have to listen to the Bez, then you don't have to listen to this one, that one. Make Aliyah, Aliyah is the mitzvah, 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 right? And that has it include? It all depends on Parnassah. Number one, you don't have it, don't do it. And more than that, if you have kids, if you're admitting not to do it, and for sure you shouldn't do it. Why? Because if you have kids and you can't support yourself, the Rav Chus, you can't support yourself in a way that would be a normative life for them, then it's going to end up potentially that not only will they appreciate your sacrifice to live but they're going to go to Tarbasra, they're going to go in a bad way. All right, so this was the this was the Pesach Tshuva and um, yeah, and then he concludes at the end, he says so I 
I can't, at the end of the day, make you a hachra for every person. Everybody's going to have to sort of make their own decision. And that's how the Pisgah Shuvah concludes. I wanted to also touch on, like, we can get through the Mabit and Marit, right? Hopefully, maybe we get also to the Rama, but maybe not. So the, the Mabit and Marit, father and son, um, both great, great of the early, early Akhrenim. The Maritz Caver, by the way, was recently found about 10 years ago in Tzvas, near near the Mabit. So they, they, they were able to identify it. So today you can go and see the Mabit and the Maritz. Um, right, so these are the Gedele, Gedele Akhrenim. The Mabit says the following. The Mabit is talking about a situation where Ruvain made a nether. Ruben's nether was Ruben nether shemiel lekach and if he's going to make it, you know, he's going to have a bumper year in the business. He's going to do very well. So then he's going to come and live in Tzvah. He's going to make Aliyah to Tzvah. Remember, Tzvah is in Haiti in the 1500s, the time of the Mabit, right? In the heyday, right? You have the Bukhanar, right? you have the Arizal, you have the you have the Ramak, you have you have everybody, right? All all the all the big guns. Tzvah is the heyday, right? Night with Shalim. Shalim has only a few big great rabbis, but Tzvass is the king, and that's why they came to Kachalikas. who has Kadimus, Naga, and stuff like this. Not for right now. This is the whole Kachalikas in relation to <coughs> in relation to uh, uh, restarting a Sanhedrin. All right. So it says the Mabit. The Mabit says that the person made an end, and that if he makes a certain amount, he's going to make Aliyah go to Tzvass. He won the lottery. He had a great year. So, what should he do? Should he make Aliyah or not? <coughs> and here's the question. You guys, parents, and the parents say, what are you doing? You can't go make Aliyah. You shouldn't leave. His wife is saying, no, 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 no. You're not making Aliyah. And she's making a taina shekos of Iksubasa that it's written in her ksuba shalayetziyan aladur b'shum makayim acher gab kibud aveim gadol shaharei yagim avinu alavashom then ashka peishana So they want to know. This guy's writing a letter to the mabit sometime in the 1500s. He's writing a letter to the mabit. He's saying, "Listen, mabit, I made a nether. The nether was if I do well in the business, I'm going to make aliyah. I'm going to move to the bar." But I made the, now I had a successful year, but my mother and my father are saying not to go. My wife is saying not to go. My wife is not only saying not to go, she's saying, I wrote an exuba to her, right? It's a contract. I gave her my word where I said, I'm not going to move you from, from the place where you are. I'm not going to move you from place to place. So what should I do, Rabbi? Tell me what to do. This is the question facing the Mabit. Mabit did live in Tzvats. Mabit did live in Mabit says the following. Says you don't have to worry about dad and, and, and mom. You don't have to worry about what they say. You don't have to worry about their not wanting you to make aliyah. He says that there is what a mitzvah for you to make aliyah. Ah, Yaakov Avinu was supposedly punished, right? Uh, he was concerned that he was going to be punished and moved to Asaph. Why? Because for 22 years he wasn't around at home, right? We're going to have this in the parish in two weeks. He ran, he ran away because of Asaph, the whole thing, and he was not at home for many years. So he was afraid. When he meets Asaph, maybe Asaph is going to win. Why is Asaph going to win? Because 
because he has the mitzvah of Kibarav for so many more years than he did. He left 22 years, he was away. Says the Abed, no matter. Chayiv l'kayim nidroi. You have a mitzvah to v'kayim v'nedev, and chayiv l'okosh l'tavoy s'avavim. You don't have to worry about the dad and the mom. She'omru lo yishelo yeleh. He says to you that you shouldn't go. He says, what do I know? Because the Gemara Chazal told us, the Gemara says, what happens if your father or mother said you do an Avera? What's that, Martha? You may do Avera? No, why? Because we have a line of the Gemara that the Gemara says, that the Torah says, that everyone is Chayav and Akkadish Baruch is covered. Your father and your mother are also responsible to Hashem. They can't come and tell you to do something that will be against the Torah. So over here it says the same thing. <coughs> they can't tell you to not make Aliyah. They can't tell you to not make Aliyah. You, you, you have a dad. You have a mitzvah to make Aliyah. Right? There's an underlying mitzvah already to make Aliyah. So we're going to see. It's both. Right? There's, an underlying, if there's an underlying mitzvah. And you made a nether. So they, for sure you, you, you have to go. He says, nami he says, even your parents have a mitzvah to make Aliyah. So they can't tell you not to make Aliyah. Right? So your parents have a mitzvah to make Aliyah. You have a mitzvah to make Aliyah. Your parents can't tell you not to make them not to do your mitzvah. So you don't have to worry. You make Aliyah. Don't worry about keeping up aim. That is what, that is what the Mabit said. And then he says, um, he says also in addition, what about your wife? Your wife's saying not to make Aliyah. Not only is your wife saying not to make Aliyah, she's saying in the Ksuba, it says you're not allowed to take me from any place. So how can he make Aliyah? He's taking it from any place. Right? And, and she, huh? Oh, good question. That's what he brings up now. So he says, "Amash above b'sheilah she got mishdei and wrote to b'tayin and she kasev b'sheilah 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 You're not allowed to move from any other place," says the Mabit. Efshar loyma ki ain kavana shemakim acher kim l'chutz 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 l'chutz. First of all, you can read the the uh, Tanai and the Ksuba differently. The Ksuba said, "You're not able to move me from here to makim acher." He says you can say Makamacha means anywhere else in football. It doesn't mean Eretz Yisrael. But that, not so. Makamacha means no other place, including Eretz Yisrael. So he's aware of that. And then he gives you a second reason. He says, nevertheless, he says, if it, if it really meant Eretz Yisrael, that you really can't move me to any other place, including the land of Israel, and you're being master, master of Torah. But you're not allowed to make a contract against the Torah. Let's say the Torah says yeah, we have Shemitah now, right? So you say, listen, right? What, 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 what's the law by Shemitah? It, it, uh, the debts are, are, are forgiven. So what does he make a contract? Say, look, I lend you a million dollars on the condition that Shviyas is not going to come along and be this battle of my loan. What's that, Waka? Halacha is, Shviyas comes along and is about to the Lord. You're you making a contract against the Torah? You're not able to be masked now, masked across the Torah. Huh? Ah, good question. He doesn't talk about that. But he says, no, no, he, remember, 
He doesn't want to read it that way. He does. He himself is saying that I, I'm reading it as not including Eretz Yisrael because that would potentially be master at least in that provision. You know, in contracts, we have what's called a severability provision. Right at the end of every contract, there's miscellaneous. Right, there's always like 25 clauses of miscellaneous. What's one of those clauses? Severability. That if any one of these provisions of the contract are what not going to be upheld, every every other provision should still be okay. It's just that provision that's not okay. So the same as would be over here is that like the the ksuba is still uh, no the ksuba doesn't say it but we would say this this tanai this is not upheld this tanai but all the other tanayim of course would would still be okay because otherwise you're going to call into question the whole marriage you're not allowed to be living without ksuba etc. So says the mabit. So he says even if you want to say that really it does mean so when it says you're not able to move me to any place it means even the land of Israel so then yeah tonight he says then you're maybe making a tonight on uh, uh, something you're not allowed to do you're, you're, you're saying that you can't move to the land of Israel I feel even if you want to read it tonight as being, you're not able to move me anywhere, including the land of Israel, he says that would be in, invalid because it's against the against halach, it's against the, the, what the Torah says. But it would be valid, right? This is how he ends up. It would be valid in the sense that she wouldn't lose her ksuba, right? So in the Mishnah, we had said, I think what we had said, that if a man wants to make Aliyah and the woman says no, the halacha is before, so she doesn't go, then we say, okay, you're out without Aksuba. But over here, because she has her Tanai in her Aksuba, that she doesn't have to move. So then you want to make Aliyah? Say to her, you have to pay her Aksuba. Right? Because she has this Tanai. Yes? So that's what the Mabit says. <coughs> that's, how, that, that's how he gets out of this Aksuba uh, issue. And then he says, um, he says, Venera, the time of the Kaifanis of Bezdin, which is the reason the Bezdin forces people to make Aliyah uh, when the other spouse wants to go. The reason is, Mishum the Havi commits a Shema and Skar Betzida, Mitzara Maila Shabbash, and Kaifan Alel, the Gam Shalif called Nikfus and Yuchal is Barnes, but Blade Stark lacks the losses with Shumas and Aso. Shemut losses married to Shoviesh was there. So he has a whole thing about the difference in the various Gemaras, if you're Kaifin or not Kaifin, but essentially what he says is that if the land of Israel living in it, is the benefits are so obvious. But like we saw in the very Pesach Shuva, who quotes the Mabit, who quotes the Marit, if you can't survive, if you're not going to have Parnas, it's a different story, but we're talking about a man over here, this Shuva that what? He made a million dollars. The whole nether was dependent on the fact that he would be able to be financially successful and able to support himself in the land of Israel. So such a person who who is able to do it, so in that situation, yes, we can't force the wife, but she gets, she gets her ksuba because of the night that she had, and we don't worry about the parents. Many times you hear people that don't want to make aliyah and the parents are alive. The Mabit says you don't have to worry about the parents. They have a mitzvah to make aliyah. All right, so... Um, I think we'll stop over here because the, the Marit, the sun is a little bit, uh, a little long. We'll go, we'll pick up on that next week. Yeah.
That's a very that's a very good question. What happens if your parents are sick? So it's a different story. Right? Obviously, we're talking about a situation where your parents need your help, abandoning them, that doesn't work. We're talking about a situation, obviously, the parents weren't considered elderly. They weren't people in need of uh, you know significant help. So therefore, um, it wasn't a situation like that. And that presumably that was the situation that it would have you know, they would have written that my, 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 my parents need me to get around. Yeah. All right, yes, go ahead.